Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 211, probably, uh, for November 27th, 2019. My name is Phil Pinsky. With me, as always, is Bill Lutz and Tim Sway. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner. Wait. Why did I do that? Did you do it wrong? It I, did it, wrong. I, I did wasn't it wrong. I, I, was, I didn't wait for you. How mean is that? Just give Jimmy another toot and I'll say Scott's name again. There you go. Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws. 211 episodes in and we can't get the timing right. <laughs> I think I skipped one last week. Is that why? Or two weeks ago? Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Klingspore. Is it Klingspore or Klingspores? Singular. Klingspore. And then or I said possessive. Klingspores sandpaper. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah that is appropriate. Uh, Joshua Alexander and Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. Also, I'm not sure if I said Chad Grossclaws, so I'm going to say Chad Grossclaws again. Chad, you know, my, uh, we also Do we announce when we get a new patron? We No, we don't. We do it when we read all of them out. Okay. But when Which we we're due to do, so we should do that next week. Note, I will let you take it. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I can do that. That's and fine. also, real I quick, um, you mentioned Jeff Shaw every week, and I just want to say that I've noticed the pictures lately of Jeff. He did the tenure thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks fantastic. No, He's... he got the pictures backwards. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like crap. Like, oh man, what happened to him? Then? <laughs> Poor guy, like, got all kinds of buttery, smooth skin and gained a ton of weight. Oh, my gosh. It's, 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 I could be wrong. I don't know. Anyway, I just thought I'd point that out. He's he's inspiring me. I'm, I'm on the uh, track Jeff, of a New Year's don't let don't let Phil bring you down, Jeff. That's that's all I got to say. No, no, no. He, I, I made the same joke on Facebook. He took it well. Actually, he goes, well, I made a mistake. That's actually my – that picture was nine years ago, not ten. And then he oh. posted a ten-year picture. And I was like, well, thank God you cleared that up. Fake news. Yeah, alternative facts. <laughs> um, what are we working on? Let's go with Magnum over there. What, um, what's happening, Bill Lutz? I am, I am still working on my little uh, um, ceramic-bodied guitar. And uh, the problem-solving I'm having to do with that is coming along quite nicely. I'm really excited. I did a, uh, I don't know how you would say it, I rabbited a little tiny beauty ring around the neck where it goes into the ceramic body so it kind of because the ceramic body is not perfectly level it's ceramic so it's mm-hmm. there was kind of a, a gap there so that little beauty ring kind of covered that up and made it look like it's more flush it fits really nice Added a little wedge to the bottom of the neck on the front and then uh which is not visible because it goes inside the body then on the back side where the neck sticks out um i put a I built another wedge that's going to be exposed, tapped it in, and I solved the problem of how am I going to attach this neck to the body. So it's wedged on both sides, which mm. keeps it perfectly secure. And to hold that back wedge in, I'm going to, uh, where I 
where I run the strings through the, the stick in the back, kind of like I think I did that. On, I might have, no, I didn't do that on yours, Tim. But anyway, you can run the strings through the through the wood. That will actually right. hold that'll hold that wedge in place. So it's like that is so exciting. So I'm I'll be working on um, uh, drilling the holes for the the tuners, doing the fret markers. I haven't decided how I want to do that yet. If I want to do some round plugs or if I want to do some wood burning with the soldering iron, something, I don't know. And then a, a finish over the neck, wait for the hardware, and we'll be wrapping this puppy up. And I've been re, I've been uh, filming it, and uh, yeah, it's exciting. So, and it's been nice. I've been totally just, like I said, relaxed coming home from work, doing a couple minutes here and there, and playing with it. And this weekend I did a little bit more, and it's like, yeah, everything's coming along nicely. So I have no major complaints. That's terrific. Awesome. Are you worried that the wedge is potentially going to crack, create a stress crack in the ceramic? I don't think so. She built it. Heidi Jacobs made the uh, the body, and it's pretty beefy. Okay. So I, it's not it's not like a thin piece. It's actually it's beefy. So I, I really think this is going to work. I've tested it numerous times. Held up, held it up, shook it. it it's not loose at all. It's actually nice and snug in there, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be you know pounded in with a sledgehammer. These right. wedges no. just. Just act in the hmm. that acts just enough to keep it from sliding around. It's nice and snug. I think it's going to work just fine. So, are you doing a neck strap? Because I feel like it's probably going to be pretty heavy. I could be wrong. Uh, I guess you could. On these guitars, you don't really have to have buttons and stuff for that. I could put a button on the back of it, I guess. But no, no, because you're Anyways, sitting down. Well, you're going to sit while stage. you play it. So yeah. it's you know. okay. I I assumed you'd be up on stage playing this thing at one point, but. I, well, I'm in the garage on a daily basis in my underwear dancing around playing the theme of Risky Business. I was going to say, I, you know what? Sometimes I think of you as Tom Cruise. But two I feet mean, taller. Yeah. yeah. Also, your love of Scientology. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not insane. <laughs> Tim, oh, we just, what would you say? We just lost the Scientology listener base that oh, we have. Oh, no. That's, a, that's a quarter of our audience. <laughs> So that's that one guy that we don't know his name. Yeah, um, yeah we haven't paid enough to learn his name yet. Uh, Elron, come back. What? <laughs> um, what have I been up to, you say? Uh, let me see. Um, I've been designing a six-string bass guitar for a client, which is um, kind of interesting. And Wow, uh, six strings? Yeah, yeah. Normally they, you know, normally they have four strings, um, but there are extended range instruments. They call them. Typically, the the next one would have five strings, which adds a low B to it. And then there are some that then have a six string where they add a high note to it. So the regular four strings of the bass are in the middle of the six. It's not like a guitar that's tuned up differently. Um, so uh, yeah, I've been designing that, and uh, and I have this kind of fun sort of multi-piece design that's going to get kind of go together and um based on stuff that he wanted and some stuff that i wanted to try so i probably won't start building that until january but uh but that's looking pretty cool um i've been messing around a lot with my 3d printer uh that i got from maker made and um uh learning how that works and uh it's been super fun to like learn it and i'm using pla plastic so it is plant-based so i don't feel totally horrible about it um, although I do feel a little horrible about it because I'm not a fan of plastic in general. But, you know, um, the I, I've been working on a project, which I'm going to make a video about eventually when I'm I'm done and I'm getting there. But uh, I always wanted to add, make a piece for my squares that I sell that um, that's, oh, right. that snaps into it. I think I was talking that, about yeah. last week. Yeah, I was putting stuff up on Instagram about it. 
and um, trying to get some feedback from people and stuff. And, uh, and I've got it pretty much done. And it's going to be like an open sourcing, which I'm really excited about. So I'm not going to try and sell them or anything. I'm just going to put the files out so anybody with a 3D printer could just download and print uh, these for their squares if they want them. That's right. And Phil was like, mail me one. I will. Um, yeah. And, right uh, yeah. and just, just because, you know, we're the podcast together. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, and then, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm excited about that because then when it goes out open source like that, I mean, people maybe, I'm hoping, make their own modifications to them, you know what I mean, for whatever they're doing. And I'd, I'd be super curious and excited to see what kind of comes out of that. Um, so that's kind of fun. And then I have, like, my, my anti-Black Friday video coming out, which is another thing I'm giving away that's the same kind of idea. I love doing that. And that's one of the things that, as a reclaimer, attracted me to this technology like, at first, I really kind of wanted nothing to do with it. But then I started thinking about, about like, the, you know, the footprint of, of making if you're not actually shipping stuff around, if you're shipping files. And, and, and I, st I still I have that vision of the future of making of, you know, of there being a network of, and maybe this goes into our talk, topic of disrupting. Maybe there's this network of creators that they're all on the same page with, this, you know, the same kind of like, kind of like Blu-ray. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, we all settled on Blu-ray. You know, we're all going to use Blu-ray, so then right, we can... Right, standard, yeah. Right, so instead of, you know, instead of like a VHS or beta, um, you know, I, I we have our products that we design, and we have other makers all in different parts of the world that we share our files with, and they make it, and you get commissions, and, you, and that's the way we can micro-compete with major factories, right? Um, and so when I do these little things, there's sort of experiments in that, like I'm just, I just make up ideas, and I give them away to see what happens with them, and, you know, hopefully... You know, just just see what happens, and I just to me it's so exciting that I can go on Thingiverse, and which is like kind of like a, a great place, but then also sort of a terrible place because you just like want to print everything. It's all just making plastic stuff you don't need, but to just the idea that someone else created this thing and I can have it in a couple hours, like physically, you know. And yeah. so I'm just I'm exploring all that and how it relates to my my sort of green making message, you know. Worst case, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, this plastic <coughs> you're printing, you could eat it, no? And I don't think I would. <laughs> I believe so. You can eat anything okay. basically that's non-toxic. Okay. Hang on. Because your, your stomach is capable okay. of... We're taking this way more I seriously than I intended. PLA. I was just joking. I was looking for a cheap laugh. Um, so that's that. Natural PLA is made from corn and generally considered safe to use with food. However, some companies... Oh, use with food, like plates and stuff. Some companies use the color additives and stuff. Maybe I'll say it. So PAA filaments are designed to be food safe, but it's important to check with the manufacturer. So it is yeah. supposedly food safe, but I'm but not don't it. eat it. Apparently, so not supposed could, to eat it. Yeah. So you could you could you could print the plastic table grapes that Grandma used to have and actually eat them and be safe because Grandma's table grapes are toxic. Well, the fake ones she had. You mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, the they table, were made the, like the, the table grapes. There were some made out of resin. There were some made out of rubber. Yeah. And it was just like a table decoration. You ate them both, yeah. is what you're saying. I did not eat the resin ones. That's just mm. stupid. Right. You, you eat a lot of lead paint chips off the walls, too, right? <laughs> hey, Tommy so, boy. Tim, did yeah. you get, did, Tim, did you, get the, uh, <laughs> did you get the scratches out of that uh, body? <laughs> oh yeah so that's the other thing i've been messing with. like i i just put up an acrylic guitar video and so i'd gotten these pieces of acrylic right from a, a local television i can't say where um um but uh so there were these one inch thick acrylic pieces that were used for desks and they have scratches in them because they were used as desks on like tv shows for a couple of years 
And uh, so, you know, I cut guitars out and then they get, either they get, the scratches that are already there, sometimes I might scratch it in the process, and then buffing that stuff is such a pain in the neck. So I was just kind of experimenting with, uh, with finishes on the clear acrylic, like, the clear loose egg guitar has been done, I have the material because I like it, but does it necessarily have to be mirror, or like, like crystal clear, like glass? So I had this one port sort of partially sanded, and I didn't want to start buffing it out, so I did what's called a vapor, um, uh, finish on it, a vapor polish, rather. And I put it underneath a metal, it has to be metal because the acetone melts plastic. If you put acetone right on the, the acrylic, it'll melt it. Um, but so the idea is that I, I put it on my metal uh, welding table, and then I took a metal, um, one of those big like wash pins, like you make a wash tub base out of, you know, and I lined it with paper towels and magnets. I used magnets to hold the paper towels on, and then okay. I soaked the paper towels with acetone, dumped the excess acetone out, and then I put it like a lid over the top of the of the guitar body and I let it sit for 20 minutes and then I flipped it mist. and I did it again okay. and it and I was like well maybe this my hope was it would polish out the scratches that it would it would be enough of a vapor in there to sort of melt and then reform the surface and make it smooth but it didn't it actually like it accentuated the scratches and and polished in between them and it looks like oh. ice and it looks wicked oh. And it looks I, pretty I, cool, yeah. And I think I like it better than polished crystal clear, and it is way easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, they that, do that imagine, technique for uh, 3D printed parts to get them smooth, because normally right, you get exactly. like, the steps. Yeah. So this kind of sort of like... That's where I learned that trick again. Okay, I figured. The 3D yeah. printing stuff and, you know, some of that sort of research. and Yeah. Imagine, the, imagine, the, ref hmm. imagine the refractability that thing would have. Mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. it's very high refraction. Yeah, if you shine, if you shone uh, shown a light through that, it would accentuate almost every single nook and cranny on that thing. Like, yeah, that know, was why well, I was having fun in the shop of just with the shop lights, and that's why I, I put a little video up uh, to show it because as you move yeah, it around, yeah. you get all this really. So now you picture um, on a band stage, like a bandstand, with colored lights hitting it. Right. I mean, or when you put in the LED colored lights into the body itself. Yeah, make potentially. It, make it so. Make it so. Well, I have the space for it, it for so. sure. Make it so. I just. I think that's cheesy. Okay, so is liking Star Trek, and you love Star Trek, so make it so. It's not cheesy at all. No, it's that's super cool to like Star Trek. Only, only the cool guys like Star I'm Trek. so glad you guys brought up Star Trek, because when Tim was talking about a bank of things you could just pick and have in a couple of hours ah, that come out of yes. nowhere, replicators. Replicators. Right? Yep. Remember, what was Someone it? Someone needs it was, uh, to come out with a 3D printer called the Replicator. The Replicator. That's, yeah, Trademark. I mean... Dibs. I th <laughs> wasn't it the Enterprise series, the Scott Bakula, that had, like, the they had the first right. Replicator? Yeah. And that was, like, the... No, that was the... I'm sorry, that transporter. was... Transporter. The, the, they had the early Transporter that they could just transport matter, but yeah. not people. They didn't, yeah. they didn't have the Replicator. Yeah. No, they, that wasn't um, until Next Generation. See, this Correct. is how we're not on the same page. When you said banks of stuff, I thought of Star Trek. It wasn't uh, whatever the replicator I thought of. It was their phasers had different, you know, load the banks of phasers, right? Phaser banks, yes. Yeah. Phaser banks, yeah. And they also had no banks, basically, in the future. Yeah, no money. No need for well, money. Well, the, the Federation didn't, but the, Ferengi the, other, yeah, the other people yeah. did. The, the, Ferengi. Ferengi were, the Ferengi were definitely bankers. The, the yeah. smaller of the peoples, like, you know, the Tellerites that, and all those things. They weren't guys. part of the Union, yeah. Yes. The Federation. Pretty much. Not yeah. part of the Federation. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Very cool. How about you, um, Phil? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Two things, basically. One is inconsequential and one is life-changing. 
Uh, the first one is that I. <laughs> Okay, let us guess which is which. Don't tell us. Where where does <laughs> okay, my hug talk. where does my hug fall into that? Uh, it it your hug is life changing. Uh, <laughs> that is a, that is a true true fact. Um, no, I got I got another night's worth of work on the um, on the bar top arcade. So hey. that was that was fun. Um, and I asked everyone what the best thing is to fill in like uh, holes in MDF like like screw holes or whatever. And everyone said Bondo. Bondo. But that looked hard, so I got Woodfiller instead. Uh, <laughs> you said well, best you, way. Did you get That's the two-part Woodfiller? Yeah. What's that? Because the two-part Woodfiller is exactly the same thing. It's just no, no, it's single. It's one. It's in a tin. You oh. mix it up. You're, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna paint it. Yeah, it'll get yeah. painted. Uh, paint uh, it'll how, it'll how big? Hard. How big was this, the? You know, it's one thing I didn't ask you. Is how big was what you were trying to fill? It's a countersunk screw hole. Uh, you kind of need oh, Bondo. Oh yeah, for that. wood. F- no, you don't. Wood filler is just fine for that. No, wood filler is good for the nails. Spackle, but <clears throat> huh? yeah, that's soft. But I've used spackle before yeah. too. I mean, for nails, like the the wood filler is is pretty good. But for that screw hole, you can't get that smooth. Like the, if you bought the, <laughs> the which which one did you get? Did you get plastic wood? The uh, red. No, red? it's not plastic wood. It's it's wood filler. It comes okay, in like there's... a tin that you have gotta pry open. Right. It's and, not, and the label. The label's upside stuff. down. On get, it. It's actually. It's not in a tube. It's in a can. It's made from actual wood. Right. Yeah, that'll yeah, be okay. That stuff okay. will work just fine. All you got to yeah. do is build it up bigger than your uh, your surface, and you sand it sand all down. It. Yeah. Right. That's what that'd I figured. Be, because there's like the liquidy <clears throat> kind that's in like a toothpaste tube or sometimes in plastic. That, that's, and that's, that's, yeah. that's exactly that's, what that is. It's toothpaste for Norm Abrams. That's all that is. Yeah. He marketed probably, it as wood yeah. filler. It's toothpaste. Yeah. That's why it looks and that's so fine good. And that's fine for like nail pops and stuff like that, but like, you know, pin nails. But um, yeah, you got to yeah. get the plastic wood at least or the two part for the, the screws. Otherwise, it just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll you see what happens. Okay. Yeah. It'll be a. It's a painted project, anyways. And worst case, if it's not, I'll spend a little money and I'll get a, a decal for the whole side of it. And I can just. Are, put are that you on. gonna spray the paint with your sprayer? Yeah. Then, if worst case scenario, if it looks like it might not be filling it in, just put a couple more coats on. It'll fill that, whatever yeah, the, yeah. the filler okay. did. So. So I'm not gonna say which one was which. If that was the uh, inconsequential or the life changing, I'll just move on to the next one, and then you guys can let me know. <clears throat> so I, uh, I, I started my own business. I went out on my own. Um, I'm uh, an ERP implementation consultant. I just finished a five-month contract working for a furniture company, uh, implementing their ERP and uh, building out their U.S. sales force. And instead I've said, you know what, why don't I just do this for a living because this is awesome and I love it. And, uh, and so I paid the money to LinkedIn Premium um, and I started making daily videos, 60 second videos on ERP topics. Everything from what are killer features to what is an ERP because that was a question I got a lot from people. They were like, congrats, but I don't know what that is. So I just sort of... Well, that's how that you video. knock out all the electronics in the area, right? With an ERP? Close. That's, oh. that's only one letter away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ERP is Enterprise Resource Planning. It's a stupid name, but it basically means the software that runs your company and all the different parts of your company and it talks and gives you the advantage of you know being able to combine information like purchasing and sales and anyways it started off in the 90s for manufacturing companies being able to really allocate their resources to make sure that they keep their production flowing um, and then you know anybody can use it now services companies anyways, I, I really wasn't here to pitch myself but that is that's what I've been up to so every day I make a video uh, and I upload it to YouTube and I post it onto LinkedIn um, and I've just been, you know, pounding the pavement, just talking to all my people in my network and uh, 
I joined a networking group that meets next on the 11th, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, I got about four prospective clients. It's uh, so it's we're moving and grooving here. Excellent. So the 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 wood filler, um, you'll know about the life changing once you see if it works out. That's what I figured. That's yeah. what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. Just if you if you don't eat it, you won't have too much brain damage. It won't change your life that much. Right. Well, I figured it's PLA based, so. <laughs> so it's like the grapes. It's just it's fine. It's fine. It's good so the net the networking group, uh, Casey joined one of those when she opened up her business and Oh yeah. It's an amazing thing. So she's gotten so many clients through that and has recommended I mean, because everybody kinda helps pitch each other. I don't know if this is all about people doing what you're doing or if it's different small businesses networking each other or it's, well, hopefully it's, it's people it's doing all, different stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. It so it's yeah. all different professionals. Like right, there's right. a lawyer, that's, there's an accountant, right. there's a guy who exactly. sells photocopy machines. So you're all – and I've actually maybe 10 years ago, I went to this group. The guy I was working for, he was a CEO. Was, anyways, it was what's his son-in-law. What's the name of it? I don't know what the name of it is. I wouldn't be able to tell anyways. It's like – it's a pretty hush-hush thing. It's a pretty exclusive one. I only got in because I know a guy who knows <laughs> – Rule number one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right. Fight <laughs> Don't talk about social networking club. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I it was it's not easy to get into. I'm only getting in as a guest at first, and that's if there's nobody else doing what I do. Like, it's, I bet it's the same right. one she's a part of. Oh no, no, it's not a franchise. It's a total no, it's private a one. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and most most cities will have things like this. I mean, there's something oh, similar. Yeah. There's a business bureau in. Um, yeah, no, it's not that. But I know. In, in Meriden, where you know, there's a, a sort of business kind of group, and I, I was kind of starting to talk to them a little bit because I was kind of thinking about maybe you know going up, you know, growing the business a little bit out of the barn and stuff. And I very quickly realized I didn't want to do that. <laughs> but but there's like these people they they all just get together and talk business with each other and how they're gonna you know revitalize downtown and this that the other thing. And so I imagine that for you, what you you're pitching, like I'm making guitars and stuff. You know, I'm not going to sell any at one of these meetings. You know what I mean? But yeah. you, you're selling a a, a, a business. I'm you, selling your, a service. Cli- your clients are businesses. You're selling a service that's directly for these people. So yeah. if you can go in there and, and and tell them how you can make them money. That's yeah. That's so great. the last time I went, I was a marketing manager at a bike company. So uh, it wasn't exactly a good fit for all these service professionals. You know what I mean? Like it didn't make any sense. Like a lawyer was not going to be able to say like, ah, I got a guy who wants to buy a bike. You know what I mean? Now it makes sense. So I reached back out and uh, and they've been amazing about it. So, Well, that that is life-changing. All kidding aside, yep. that's awesome, awesome news. Thank you. You Thank seem you. peppy. I like it. When you're peppy, I'm peppy. You know what it is? I think the exciting thing is that it's not like – a regional-based thing. It's not like a Montreal-based business. I could literally do this anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like maybe at one point I need to come in and, and meet everybody. But for the most part, it can all be done remotely. So I could have customers in Hong Kong, London, New York, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. It doesn't matter. So like, you know, wherever I get a lead from, I can pursue it, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah. It's fun. All I need is a laptop and I've got my business. It's, it's really exciting. And uh, I'm lucky that my wife's <coughs> super supportive about it. Uh, because it is a little bit risky business. We got three little mm. kids, but um, I really believe in, in, in this. And, uh, you know, people are going to say, well, there's ERP and all kinds of stuff, but there's this one specific one that I'm working with, and it is a game changer, and this is going to lead into our topic. Um, it's a disruptor in that it um, most ERP systems for a small, or not a small, but a medium sized business are going to be something like two hundred dollars to $300,000 for an implementation. Mm-hmm. If your business does five to $10 million, just doesn't make any sense. You're going to continue using Quicken and Excel sheets. Um, but this is like $50,000. Uh, 
and if you're making if you're bringing in five to ten million dollars fifty thousand dollars for an erp system is a total total game changer and it's uh, it's cloud-based all that stuff um anyways didn't mean to pitch myself but if anyone's interested you can certainly send me an email um or whatever but uh the, i could probably the, trade you for that square part i was gonna send you you know what my friend you got yourself a deal <laughs> you got yourself a deal um i would be happy to help you honestly um Anyways, so what we're talking about today is actually game changers. And, you know, we've heard of uh, Uber, right? It disrupted the industry. Uh, I, like, I don't want to say something controversial, but I will say that I much prefer traveling in an Uber uh, versus a taxi. I like being able to get into a car and uh, not having to tell them where I have to go and sometimes even give directions. I like being able to get out of the cab and not have to transact. That mm -hmm. is just done for me, and the invo the invoice is just in my inbox, and I can forward it right to accounts uh, accounts payable, so I get my expenses done right away. Right, uh, there's it, no it, cash exchange at all. Right, I never take one because I, it's yeah. nothing. You you literally you get in. The guy goes, Phil, I'll go, uh, Muhammad. Great, takes me to where I gotta go. Thanks, man. I get out, and that's it. Yeah, that's it's nice. Unbelievable. Yeah. There's, there's and some. I mean, it's, it's new. It's, it's in its infancy. Uh, Uber and Lyft, and there's a couple other small ones, and there's some controversy about how yeah. their business practices are going. But when you break it down, I think it's the way of the future. Taxis are going to go away, um, and I agree with you. We use Uber now. I don't, I don't necessarily promote it or love it, but when I have to go to the airport, as opposed to paying parking or trying to get friends to coordinate and all that, I can get an Uber, and for twenty bucks, I can just. It's, it's so. It's so easy. It's clean. Everything is simple. You push yeah. the button on the app. It's a done Ooh. deal. The guy comes. He's four comes minutes away. Yeah, yeah, he's four minutes away. He drives right up, gets out. Bill, hey, what's up, John? Yep, okay. Yeah. You can tell what car it is, uh, what the license plate number is. It's so much safer, again, with the no transit. Yeah, so that that is a disruptor to me because growing up in the Bay Area, I've taken loads of taxis, and yeah. they are awful they are just yeah. awful i've never had a good experience in the taxi cab they're they're terrifying they're terrifying they're like if you have a great experience with a taxi is an unremarkable one a bad experience is one that's like it smells bad or the guy doesn't speak english or he has no idea where you're supposed to go and he charges you double because he's got to figure that out you know that and they drive insane it's dangerous yeah. they're in such a hurry to try and get rid of you so they can get their next I mean, everything about it was just, I just think, I just think it, it's, it's past its prime. And that's what we're seeing now. This infancy of this new technology, this disruptor, like you said, Uber's a great example. It is a yeah. disruptor. It's, it's airports are now making way for Uber as, whereas before it was like, you're not even allowed here. Now they're actually yeah. making way for, yeah. for this. every airport I've traveled yeah. to has a ride. They call it ride share. They don't call yeah. it Uber. They call it a ride share right. area. It's, you it's, go it's there. That's where it caps. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Uh, okay, so how know, does this relate to making, though? <laughs> Good question. We're going to make some Ubers. Oh. Yeah. No, we're three boobers. Uh, no, so <laughs> I was saying that I think that um, this industry, this thing that we do, is waiting for that disruption, needs that disruption. We actually started talking about Microsoft and Bill Gates because you asked me in the pre-show if I'd seen the, uh, the Bill Gates documentary on Netflix. And then we talked about how disruptive um, what he did was in creating mm -hmm. Windows, but not creating Windows because it wasn't necessarily a better product. He got it out to market first because he figured out that he could license it to the PC manufacturers instead of selling it wholesale to consumers. So he disrupted the, in the 
the marketplace, he disrupted the industry by coming up with a new business practice. Um, and I mean, Uber did something completely, they transformed everything. And there's always downsides to it, right? So the downside of Microsoft was that they bundled so much stuff that it was antitrust, right? You, you couldn't get in as a web browser because Internet Explorer was already in there. So there was no way to compete. Um, you know, Uber destroyed taxi medallion systems right across mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. and Canada. If you were a taxi driver and the medallion that you bought in to become a taxi driver was supposed to be your retirement fund. You paid $200,000 for it over 30 years and it was supposed to be worth a million dollars when you retired. Now they're worthless and these guys are committing suicide left, right and center. So there is a cost, you know, like the horse and buggy manufacturer, you know, no matter how good it was, it died when the Model T came out. Or probably the Model A, but you know what I'm saying. Like, there's a cost. There's a cost and a benefit to these disruptions. I'm just saying that I think that the maker community, the maker industry, because it's not can't just be the maker community. It's got to be the maker industry mm -hmm. is due for a disruption, and I think I think one is coming. And then we started talking about the uh, you know the replicator technology with the 3D printers, and maybe that is a form of disruption. Anyways, I'll open the floor. Well, I I, okay. I think the uh, I'm. My opinion, because this is much more you guys, um, but my opinion is I think there already is disruption going on in the maker community, but I don't think it's in the same dramatic, life-changing, fill ex explanation thing that we're seeing with Uber and Microsoft and stuff like that, right? I think what's what's disruptive about it is the fact that for the first time I that I know of, all these different um, arts, all these different skills are being shared. Um People are coming together that, that are doing different, you know, they use different mediums to make whatever it is. It used to be kind of uh, clicky. It was you were a metal worker, you were a woodworker. Well, now you're a maker. So I, I think that disruption is already happening. It's just, it's not a tidal wave. It's just high tide. You know, it's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like. You know what you would, you know what it would need for it to be a disruption? And I was just thinking about this. And there, for sure this already exists. I just haven't thought, I don't know what it is, but. You, me, whatever, we have the gumption to try something new because we're confident in our ability to screw it up and then fix it or try again or whatever the case may be is. We're not scared to roll up our sleeves and make something even if it's in metal, wood, or quartz, whatever the case may be, right? right? The disruption would be is if everybody did it. Like my neighbor who needs to hire somebody to change a light bulb. If there was an app that gave him the confidence to open it up and say, huh, that's how you change a halogen bulb. You have to push it in, pull it out a little. Oh, okay. And thinking about it, that app is YouTube. But anyways. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's going to happen in the traditional disruptor way where it's this gigantic thing that changes everything. I think it's slowly happening. But it's not. we're not doing something new. We're, we're going back to the way it used to be. That's the disruption. We're, we're going away from hiring it's somebody. It's not a disruption if it's this quiet. It's an accommodation. You know what? It's like, could you shuffle over a couple of feet? I need to make room. A disruption is, get out of my way. I'm coming so, through. So as an example, other than the one you just gave us, but what, what would a disruptor, a disruption thing in the maker community look like to you? One, if I knew that, I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> would it be, what, what I'm saying is, that would it be, a, would it be a, a, a trend? Would it be a tool? Would it be a... It'd have to be a product or a service. It'd have to be a new way of doing something old. Right, okay. because taxis have been around since rickshaws, you know, three thousand five five thousand years ago. Right, all of a sudden, you can call your rickshaw from your phone or your coconut or whatever. Right, I mean, it's something old done in a new way that takes an industry and flips it on its head. 
Well, well, Tim, what is your what do you think? What would your definition of disruption be? Because you two see things a little bit differently. What what does disruption mean to you? Well, I I agree with I think what the premise of our talk is is what Phil is saying. It's like this disruption right. on a Bill Gates type of level, right? Um, you know, I you know think of myself as like an artist or whatever and so artists all artists are disruptors i mean that's what we're doing we're trying to disrupt people's thought processes and how they view the world and there are artists that have been disruptive to the bill gates level but usually it's not the artist that it is it's not the artist that creates the product it's the bill gates the marketing guy that figures out how to make that change the world like whoever you know like the those um i'm trying to think of an example like uh you know like the, the guy that invented the atari 2600 like the guy mm-hmm. that was making, he's not the guy that changed the way we play. It's the, you're peop- thinking it's the of, people that you think of Waz versus Jobs, right? Steve right, Waz right, right. Built the Apple, Jobs. That, that's exactly it. Marketed right? that's, it. Yes, exactly. So I mean, I'm I'm more of the Waz type than the Jobs type. So right. for me, I mean, I look at it like I'm a disruptor. I'm disrupting every day. I'm trying to say we don't need to do that. We don't have to buy that. You can do it out of this. Here's how many people are throwing away. Let's see if we can do that. That's my whole. That's my hell mo. I'm swimming upstream, you know, for, for a living, um, but that's not necessarily going to create that that tidal wave. That that works only to a limit, right? Because sure. you do need you need the both together. Because Wozniak, if just by himself, had an awesome, cool product that he took to a homebrew convention every every week at at uh, where were they Stanford or whatever, mm. um, you know, and maybe he would have gotten it even to the level of Commodore 64, which is the best-selling computer in history, 100 million units. But where are they today? They're like Latin. They're, yeah. they're dead. They, they yeah. don't exist anymore. You needed a Jobs, to, to a visionary, someone to take something different, someone to create the walled garden that an Apple was. It was a hardware and software package. This is your Garden of Eden. Play in here, but don't come out. You know, it just works. Yeah. You know, and... and that's what a lot of people needed and wanted, and it was stylish and trendy and fashion forward, and it was an, and it's become an accessory to people's lifestyles. That is a disruption because so computers you, yeah. forever have been very utilitarian. They were beige boxes that sat on a desk with a beige, you know, they're not icons, they're not fashionable like a Mac mm. is. Now it's different because you can all you can customize them, pimp them out. I'll show you mine; it's awesome. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> all to say, what he did was he took something old, he took a computer, and he flipped it on its head, and he made it so, like Starbucks, right? They took 30 cent coffee and they charged five bucks for it and we're lining up to pay for it. Why? Mm. Why? So, because so holding you, one in your hand is a fashion accessory. Do you think yeah. Do you think that the, the way you're describing disruption, do you think that that can happen in the maker community or do you think that it has to branch out? Something in the maker community has to burst out of its borders and reach other, other types of communities. Because that's what it sounds like you're saying is that the, the computer, the Uber, this this touches everybody. The farmer down the street's going to Uber as well as the lawyer, right? Yeah. So it's going to take, you've got to reach enough of a consumer uh, clientele or whatever you want to call it, this yeah. base, in order for it to be that big disruption. you got to hit a critical mass, no question. But what about something like, I think <clears> this is, I'm not saying it's silly, but this is a silly example. Something like a maker knife, right? Mm-hmm. That The Jocko knife or whatever? Everybody needs a razor blade. What if everyone just started carrying one because they decided that it's a useful thing? And not Is only the that, maker community big enough to be that kind of disruption, though. No, it, no, it's not. Okay. I'm saying like this thing needs to grow beyond its niche border, and now it's acceptable and it's a fashion piece to, to keep on your keychain. 
Look at this thing. Swip, 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 swip. Comes in and out. Mm. It's beaut. That's, that's how I see an example of something from the maker community blowing up and, and going outside of its borders. It has to. You can't have a disruption that's only in a community that already adopts these things. It's not disrupting anything. When I first heard of Benueta, and it was before I knew that we were like running in the same circle, and like he was actually following me on Instagram, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I saw his TEDx talk where he talked about um, his disruptive, uh, probably my favorite idea of his, and probably his like most simple, but not. He had the bucket stool, right? And the yeah. like, he kind of told the TED talk about how he. Told about he's like oh I can make a I can make a chair and have it be built everywhere have it everywhere in the world within you know seventy two hours because the idea was it was all made of common parts that anybody could get anywhere in the world and they could all assemble it and it was simple and it was DIY and literally anybody could do it with these three inexpensive ingredients <coughs> you know yeah and uh that's like that was this huge disruption I mean it 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 did really well I mean like the idea you know blew him up and stuff that's the kind of idea that needs to come out of the maker community that would that would be that is something like that and that's always been sort of my inspiration and what made me rethink my practices about how I do things because I was so busy looking at all the trash that was in my my neighborhood you know and then and then it was that sort of thinking that made me think like well if I have this trash in my neighborhood and I make stuff out of it and I put it in a box and I ship it to your neighborhood that's that's me succeeding right you know or whatever but it's not really doing anything with the problem so that's where i got more into the youtube stuff and then into this this technology of like well what if we can we can all pick the trash and i go into these kicks of like like pallets you know people that are on the pallet kick i mean they're trying to find a use for pallets and of course there is a use you can use them as pallets which most people would if they went back to the pallet factory but then like holocore doors there's something that's like in the dumpster all the time and that's like my you know how do we so i can make stuff out of holocore doors and i make it as an example but what i'm trying to do is encourage other people to do it and then with this technology, if I can start making, you know, plans and files, like, well, here, here you don't even have to think. Go do this. It's not necessarily how, how getting you, me though, rich, but. How are you, Tim, going to get that outside of the maker community? Um, well, is the, that what the, the technology-driven uh, machinery is going to do? It's, it's not necessarily going to, but it's, it's where it gets out of the community is when it changes the way people shop and consume. Right, because everybody needs a stool, right? So now I can go to Ikea, I shouldn't name names, I can go to the, a Swedish box store and I can buy a stool, or I can go to the hardware store and I can buy a bucket, a bag of concrete, and three sticks, and I can make my own stool. Now, it's disrupting the way we shop. Okay, so the bucket companies and the concrete manufacturers are still making out, but this other store isn't. I'm not saying one's better or worse, I'm just saying it's disrupting the, the process. I think so if you're right... Let me just finish the thought real quick. So if I can, if I come up with a design to make a coffee table out of a holocore door, that's something that's stylish and fashionable and people would actually want and, and lives long. And, you know, I can, you can literally take a 30 by 80 door and drop it on a CNC machine, hit play and, and cut it out without any thinking, assemble it yourself. Not everybody has that machine, but every neighborhood has that machine. So now you're not going to the store to buy a coffee table. You're going to the guy with the machine to buy a coffee table and you're disrupting the market. You're, you're, you're disrupting this, this mass manufacturing, shipping all this product all over the world sort of mentality that we have and you're making it local, but yet it's still global at the same time. And that's what I think the big disruption is to come from the maker community, which hasn't happened yet, but I think it can as this technology continues to grow. That's what Bill was talking about before, about things going back to the way they were, where right. like every town had a woodworker, a blacksmith, you know, a right, cooper, but the, 
But the difference is, is that you had, if you had a blacksmith and a cooper, like they, they would, they would get the magazine maybe, or they would get some guy on a horse would tell them what the other people were making. Like now it's like, you no, can actually, sure. if you want that brand name, you want that Prada bag or you want that whatever. If Prada licenses their product to the manufacturer, you can get that. You can get that boutique Star Cups cup, Starbucks cup of coffee. But from that guy, instead of having them make it overseas and ship it over to here, where it gets shipped over there, right. where it gets shipped over there. So it's the old thing Lights, done right. new. <laughs> Right, licensing, and so it has to to have that Nike swoosh, right? Well, now Nike licensed it out to the guy with the 3D printer. He prints out your Nikes here instead of you enslaving children in other countries to make them, you know? I think your idea and mine are are similar as far as I think it's a slow disruption within the community that is growing. I think it's this bubble is expanding and expanding, and over time, I do think what you're talking about is going to happen. Well, there's going to be a breakout. There's going to be a breakout thing that makes it happen. It's going to be a big company getting on board with this type of thinking, and they're going to have right. money behind them. But it's again, going to be a venue way to type. It's going to break it's it open. Be a, but it's going yeah. to be a slower process. It's not like Uber, where this was a game changer overnight, and mm-hmm. just like this happened. It's like all of a sudden, here's a new way to get into a car, you know, mm-hmm. to get a ride from somebody. Where I think the maker community, like like you're explaining, this is a slow building process that the disruption is it's happening inside the disruption right now is happening inside the community and i think as it keeps growing and growing it's bleeding out it's like this pressure is just pushing out on these borders or these boundaries well i think that don't really even exist i think the computer analogy of the late 70s is the way to go because like while you and i may not have known what was happening in silicon valley there were hundreds of these guys, thousands of these guys that were doing this. They were tweaking these computers and taking them apart and meeting each other. And they all knew each other and they were all doing stuff just like our maker community. And then one guy, Bill Gates, had that idea that cracked it open, right? And now everybody had a computer. Uh, yeah. And so that's, we, we need that. We need that, that there's going to be, it's all bubbling and churning and it's not, but it's not going to be like the tide is rising, but there's going to be that, there's going to be that geyser and that's what's going to open the, it up. I don't yeah, know what there's, it is. There's gonna be if the, I did, the, I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> The maker community is worldwide. It is on every continent. It's it's got to be in every country, right? I mean, mm. from Laura yeah. to Christiana to Jamie Page in, in England to Tim Sway in Connecticut, Phil Pinsky in Canada, um, Louise down in, in uh, Puerto Rico. It's it's all over the world. And I think you're right. Somebody's going to come up with something, and I think it's going to be a service-based idea that's going to be able to market everybody. Ryan Barnrat, he, you know, he's, he's Tim Sway. You guys are making things to try and make a living and you're creating content. Somebody's going to come up with something that's going to marry those two and really market this service that you want to provide everywhere locally. If that makes sense. It's got to be simple and you got to look right. at it and mm-hmm. go, well, obviously. Yeah. Maybe Etsy and, and, uh, Pinterest are kind of, uh, a rough draft of what it could be. It could be because you know it can't just be one thing as right. far because the way Uber was. And I don't know the Uber story well enough to be able to say that they just did it by themselves. I know they launched New York and L.A. and you know oh. that was sort of game. But I think uh, if you use the computer analogy again, because I do know that one pretty well, it was a perfect storm of a few things, right? So. Um, IBM obviously came out with the computer. I mean, there were other ones before, but the IBM PC was the big thing. And then Compaq was able to knock it off to make it cheaper. And then Bill Gates came in with a with an operating system. And then you know what I mean. And then so and then Dell came in and then really made it cooler in the 90s. And it it, it just it was a series of events that led to a huge arc. Um, you know, and obviously you know Mac was in there as well, but. Um, I, it's got to be some kind of a, 
a trifecta of forces that come together in some kind of a perfect storm to make this happen. I, I, I don't even know I, what this is. I don't either, but I know that it is happening because there's a lot Something's of, happening. There's parts of this community that are so... I mean, every part of this community, we're all tied together. You know, No matter who you are, we're, we're all kind of tied together. If I want to know anything about anyone in the community, it's not going to be hard to reach out. Phil, hey, do you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, you talk to him. You know what I mean? You can find out whatever you want. We are so... We're like a, a giant tentacle connected type being what do you call that like the aspen trees right largest li- we're an organism it's an organism we're just the borg I believe it's called the yeah. borg <laughs> we're the, the borg. borg we're the maker yeah. borgs yeah and tim is the hive mind let me let me um i mean everybody knows this but i'll iterate it the thing that um that unifies people better than anything else well there's two things there's war and crisis right those are the two things that you will unite any group of pe- people faster than anything else um, and so I guarantee you this, there will be a disruption when we run out of natural resources and we are mining the landfills for resources. That's when everyone's going to come a crawling to these guys. Yeah, our, our old back catalog of reclaimed audio is going to get a lot of listens. Huge <laughs> listens, baby. That's when so we're going to make it. You left Step one out. There's, profit. there's nothing, you, you said nothing unifies like war, crisis, yeah. and Jimmy Duresta. Yeah, that's true. I never, I never heard of anybody who said, "I hate that guy." Well, Everybody loves him. Wrangler Star said that, but he's an idiot. So, I never heard of that guy. <clears throat> who Wrangler? What? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was a fun one. That one was a yeah. little cerebral, but one other quick I enjoyed it. thing that I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention is, is just to get to the social media thing. We don't have to go off on it because I know we're running uh, on time here. But um, Izzy Swan in his. His oh, maker's yeah. playground, like he yep. he was like he's looking at the divisiveness of, of Facebook, which is just a brutal, horrible place to be now, yep. and um and Dumps he was fire. looking at the maker community getting sucked into, it. and he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm gonna disrupt that, and he started the maker's playground, which I admit I don't spend a lot of time on because I just I don't spend as much time on social media as I did, um, but I love his idea. He's like, well, let's just let's just let's make our own Facebook. Let's make is our he own. Place is a disruption. He is a, he a is a complete yeah. disruption. The so guy there's that other side of so disrupting. Outside of the box, always. Yeah. Everything about yeah. him is love, amazingness, and art. So, do you think mm. they missed the opportunity to call it Makebook? <laughs> no, but you haven't. Debs, <laughs> going to going to uh, competition. You Dibs. do you, boo. You do you. Yeah, I'm sure that I mean, came um, up in the meetings. But. You, you take a look also at what Samurai Carpenter is doing also with uh, Maker's Mob. Similar, I mean, I don't, it's less community and more monetizing tutorials. Yeah. But uh, but also, you know, we're going to Steve Ramsey. Our, yeah. Yeah, we're going to go our own way. You know, we're mm. going to do our Fleetwood Mac thing. Mm. Um, okay, let's get into the. Um, that was a fun one. So iTunes review review. There's one US one and there's actually one from Hong Kong. So and it's not oh. it's not John made it so. Wow. One of you can read the U.S. one. Um, I'll read it because I'll give Bill a break because it's a lot of words. <laughs> hey, I read so a big that, one last time. Uh, yeah, so I'm, 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 that's why I'm taking this one for you. So you get the next one. Um, so the the title is Sure. has five stars, of course. That's why we're reading it by R.J. Hammy. And uh, the review is, <clears throat> I've listened to everything else, comma. This is fine. Exact right tone. That's, well done. I Tim. want. I think we should re, rebrand. Reclaimed audio podcast. This is it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. 
Yeah. That, that's what you want to hear, both from a podcast and from your wife. Just... It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so this one is legitimately from Hong Kong. It's from Ben Garland, and the title is Happy Hong Kong Listener. Keep up the good work, gents. Your podcast provides me with a weekly escape to the world of making that is a missing part of my life living in a high-rise Hong Kong apartment. My morning walk to work is transformed by reclaimed audio and until I return home to my workshop. You guys feed my maker hunger and capture my imagination. Cheers, fellas. Ben Garland. I, I Honestly, I wouldn't have thought that, uh, that Hong Kong was in good enough shape to be you know, uh, entertained by us, but uh, more power to you, Ben. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and thank you very much for writing in. Um, what do we got here? Next up is the uh, weekly tip segment. Hey, if you've got holes to fill in MDF, why don't you give Bondo a try? <laughs> <laughs> there's your there's your tip, unless someone else has a legit one. Uh, no, um, Tim. You no, go. but I I feel like that whole conversation was good too. Mentioning spackle does work. Um, yeah, I've used that. Yep. And, uh, but I, mean, I find do... it cracks. I find it cracks. Yeah, if you no, try it's to not as too much. It's yeah. not as strong. But again, that's why I was kind of like, I was like, oh, how big's a hole? Like, I mean, with the oh. screw, if it's you're really just filling in the, the the plush shape of the Phillips head and yeah, and then covering a, over the metal. So it's, it's you know, it's yeah, I'm not, not worried bad. too much about that. Like honestly, if I was if it was a painted project and I was filling in just like pinholes or 18 gauge or whatever, I would even just use silicone. Because I know yeah. that's not going to warp or flex or anything, and you could just yeah, paint spackles it. fine. You could you could literally use toothpaste, real toothpaste for a, right. A, like for you got to remember, but. Tim, when you put sheetrock up, you've got thousands of countersunk screws that you just fill in with with uh, paste with mud. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be special. I, yeah. I would say that the the tip is um, Bondo is the best product if you want to fill yeah. something in. You don't yep. need that because it is a lot more work that's necessary for filling in a little bit of an indentation on on something. So yeah. uh, there's, you know, Bondo's the best thing. If you if you crack something, if you have to glue something back together, like an MDF, something breaks off, you can glue it back together, but now you've got a seam. You want to yeah. use Bondo to kind of feather it all out and get it, you know, it's, I mean, it's it's a great product to use. Yeah, I mean, almost anything that I, I paint, which is very little, uh, I skim coat almost the whole thing with Bondo. It's usually plywood, and I, I don't buy the really expensive plywood, and, you know, so I'll, I'll just skim coat the whole thing with Bondo. Uh, go right over the holes and then and then do my final 220 sand because then I'm going to prime it and paint it and that's just like body work on a car right that's what they yeah. do on a well, car well that's what it's for yeah well yeah. It's, it's because it dries so hard it allows you to sand it smooth to where yeah. if you use uh, if you use wood filler and spackle and those types of products um, it's it's you can you can mm. sand it right off and like oh darn it now I got to put it back in it's yeah. it's, yeah. it's hard to take all the mondo off you know, once yeah. it fills in an area, it's it's just it's and, the and the MDF the, the the cut edge of the MDF you know is a little more granular. You know, you can kind of just yeah. if you just bondo right skim right around that, and then sort of that hardens that edge up a little bit. If you have any of those exposed, makes it well, how paint smoother. how would you do that without bondo if you didn't feel like going back to the store and paying for it? <laughs> I would um, put trim on it. Yeah, yeah. Edge I mean, trim. or you <laughs> you could probably use wood glue. Maybe yeah. no, probably not. Just do some edge banding. Do some edge banding. It'll work. I've, I've got like big, round sweeping. You know, edge banding sort of goes around those yeah. big round sweepings. Yeah, what, like made out of what? Not the plastic. Oh, you're talking about the plastic laminate edge banding? No, you, you can get it. Edge banding comes in like you can get it in wood, and you just use an iron to put it on. It's really super thin yeah. veneer. Yeah. 
and you iron it on the edge, and then you take a razor blade and cut it nice and perfect, just like hmm. yes, just like the laminate stuff that or the yeah. The, yeah. the only problem is, is if you already if it's already flush, that will raise it up a thirty second of an inch. Right. Um, I, you know. From what I'm imagining, the cabinet, I don't think that's going to matter, right? Because you're going to paint over it anyway. What I should do is just do T molding, right? And then just do you get a slot cutter, slot it down, and then tack in. Edge that's banding. what. Edge banding. Yeah. Anyways, I will. I'll, I'll take a look at that. I'll see what it looks like when painted, and if it sucks, I will edge band it and paint that again. Yeah, or you could even edge band. Uh, you could paint the edge banding a different color, and make it like an accent thing, or do, or use a plastic. Edge That's banding. the move. That's yeah. definitely Ooh. the move. Or just get that. Just get the black plastic stuff and and do like the you know. Oh, you're doing plasti dip. Uh, well, no, but the edge banding, like because you can get the wood edge banding, or you could get like another edge banding and glue it on, and just yeah, you know, lemon, like any yeah. kind of any thin plastic material. You know what you could do is um, you could use something reclaimed too. You could get uh, um. What was that? Remember, Paul Jackman had all that. He got all this plastic that was like used. Uh, it was like packing, I think, between plywood, and he had all these pieces of plywood. And he was cutting into strips. He did like a weave out of it years ago. But it's just this very thin. Oh, the the, the strapping, the strapping that you like when you strap uh, something oh, to no, a pallet. That's, that's not what it no, was, but yeah, that was, But you could use that too. Just that gets, might, it's, yeah, it's, it's a dollar eighty nine for a roll of it. Just get some edge banding, some yes, wood sir. edge banding that you can you can paint over the wood. It'll be perfect. It'll look great. And yeah, paint, paint a, a different, different color. color. So, this is yeah. why we put an artist on the podcast, Phil, because, see, we talked about the I, edge yes. banding. He's all a different color. I well, do like a different color. There's two ways to hide your mistakes, right? One is to, to do it right, and the other is to, like, Accent. you know, ex exactly. Highlight. Like, highlight. Yeah, yeah yes. exactly. Yeah. Put a yellow highlighter on this huge mistake. Yeah. That was, as we say in French, par exprès, on purpose. You know how, um, you, you, know how you really hide your mistakes? Have have uh, Tim Sway build it for you. <laughs> That's, you know, you have mistakes. Is that what you said? <laughs> I think we're gonna go ahead and just gloss right over that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what would you say grabbed your attention this week, Tim Sway? Um, your twin, Phil Pinsky. Not oh, you really. Ryan Gosling movie. Nope. It was actually <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. I saw um, that. Yeah. Uh, saw the the anti-defamation league speech that he did. Yeah. It was Did fantastic. You see? And uh, it was fantastic, and it's highly recommended. He, um, it was interesting because I've never seen Borat out of character. I've oh, never, no, I've seen him a couple times, but that was the longest. Yeah, and he's a very intelligent, very thoughtful person, and uh, he does look yeah. a little bit like you, Phil. Um, I do find that, although he is like 6'5", so we are twins. You're right. <laughs> well, you're triplets. Six, he's five just two loaded. other triplets. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You saw that. Yeah, he did the anti-defamation league speech, and uh, he kind of got into the current state of like uh, the media and the cesspool of Facebook. And he had some very interesting points that he made, and it's a very clear way of thinking. And it's worth the tw it's worth the twenty-something minutes that I watched the whole thing. Yeah, gross. It's twenty-five minutes. Gross. It was phenomenal. Yeah, I was just like looking at Borat, and, and he sounded so normal and smart. <laughs> well, he's he's British, right? He's got a yeah. very British, like a posh very British, British accent. So yeah, you know, so you're like, gee, who, who's this? Yeah. The, the Prince of uh, he's got Buckingham here, jeez. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. it was an interesting, Hello. interesting in a lot of ways. So that's mine. Yeah. How about um, how about Bill? Bill Lutz. Uh, you know, this is going to be kind of a a bad thing. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, here we go. Yeah, this is kind of weird. Casey's business uh, has to buy a product, and we have Costco in the Bay Area, and I'm sure most people have Costco. She decided to get a Costco card. We haven't had Costco in for so long. It's awesome. 
OMG. I forgot. I, do you know that they have 75-inch TVs now for $750? That's just insane. It's Are they that much now? Usually they pay you a couple hundred bucks to take them. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I'd forgotten about that. And the idea was is that we're trying next year we're trying to really consolidate and save a little bit more money and be more... Um, uh, less spendy so we thought we need to buy like our food and stuff we want to buy more bulk so we also bought a little freezer uh, yeah, I found I, I found a little little tiny five cubic foot uh, freezer for 150 bucks for a pre Black Friday sale 150 bucks yeah exactly it's it's smaller than that that's like that looks like a seven mine's a five but anyway yeah it's 7.2 you're right yeah so uh, we went <laughs> and did some shopping and went to Costco and we stocked up on some meat and some frozen vegetables and all these things that we make too many trips to the store to get and so that's what caught my my attention is uh walking through Costco again and it's like they have Carhartt style jackets for nineteen dollars that's crazy I know Tim they're built by babies in China or something I don't know but uh it, it just Wow. Very skilled babies. Wow. Yeah, but so is the Carhartt, so, you know. <laughs> I got my winter coat there for 100 bucks. I mean, brilliant. Oh, yeah, my, my wife and I laugh about how much of our we, – we don't have a Costco. We go to um, a BJ's, which is the same, you know, and it's literally less than a mile from our house or about a mile from our house. So, like, my I'm wearing a sweatshirt now as my winter coat that I got from there. My wife's buying all our clothes there now, which is sort of weird. But they have sure everything. is. You guys don't have Sam's Club? Uh, we do. We, I mean, we have Costco as well, but it's just this one is a mile from our house, so that's what mm, we joined. It's convenient, but I, yeah. Okay. It's the only gas station I ever go to because it's like 20 cents less a gallon than everywhere yeah. else, yeah. I remember. You know? Yeah. yeah. Actually, only 20 cents is what you need to fill up that little truck, right? I was, yeah, my wife, <laughs> last week I told my wife, I was like, oh, I got to go to the gas station with the truck. And, um, and uh, you know, and, and I was like, I haven't been in like three weeks, and... And then I, I didn't go for a couple of days, so I told her, I was like, oh, remember the other day when I said I was going to go to the gas station? She's like, yeah, well, just spend 10 bucks. I was like, no, I haven't gone yet. And so we both started, started laughing because <laughs> my yellow truck, I would have been calling her from the side of the road, like, hey, can you bring a can of gas, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I went that morning, and it was 15 bucks to fill it. Wow, from fumes. Yeah. I yeah. understand it only takes a thimble full of kerosene. Is that not what? <laughs> Put like it in hay. Yeah. Eight crazy days and nights. <laughs> That was uh, when Homer goes to buy a car, and it's a Yugo. Oh, right, right. It it goes on 80 hectares to a thimble full of kerosene. Put it it in H. I'd also, real quick, like to give a quick shout-out to my my ex-wife, my daughter's mom. She's having some medical stuff done. Nothing horrible, but just we love you, Heidi, and I know my daughter's listening, so I miss you, Aspen. That's all. Um... Okay. What caught our your website. attention, Phil? What's that? What caught oh, what caught my attention? I guess uh, just a lot of ERP stuff. I've been on LinkedIn like a day trader, you know, just sort of, oh, oh, oh look who liked my video. Oh, cool. That's that's interesting. You know, and taking a look at uh, uh, Google Analytics of my website. I was like, oh, another another viewer on the website. Oh, where is he from? Oh, Cleveland. Very cool. So just uh, just kind of engrossed in that you know it's true what they say that uh you know when you own a business like work's never over you know it's nine o'clock at night i've got like google analytics on my phone going and you know i'm thinking about the next day's video and you know the next meeting i've got a huge meeting on wednesday like you know it's just it's non-stop but it you're working for yourself so 
Casey's you know, constantly doing work, and it's, it's fairly car- compartmentalized, but there's always a, a, a email that has to be answered, a scheduled appointment that needs to be done, and it could yeah. be anytime, anywhere, thanks to technology, but yeah, it's it's. I have 24/7. no idea what you're talking about. Five o'clock, man, <laughs> I punch out. Yeah. You know what? You need to do a video where you build a punch clock for your workshop and it's even oh. funnier. Your, yours is the only punch card, and right. also you review it at the end of the week. Like it's it's like you know like ah, look at this slacker. It's got to be some kind of a gag video, but it would be cool to build a punch clock. It would be kind of fun, but I would have to do it in I a mean, funny I, way or a different way. Right, and I would have to like actually. I mean, I guess I'd have to. I probably have to punch in like a you know when I got out of bed. Like it'd have to be like next to my bed. Like, cause that's when I start working. You know what I mean? But, and when I'm sleeping, I'm still dreaming it. Jesus, See, he went, like he went immediately. Missing, missing he went, the funny part. Yeah, he yeah. went from ah, yeah. oh, it's just five o'clock. I don't do anything to oh, I'd have to punch up as soon as I get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's okay, pal. Yeah. yeah, this guy over here. We got uh, Warren Buffett. All of a sudden, that's fine. Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, like the shop hours are probably like less than thirty. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that you're working thirty hours a week. Like, well, they're probably about thirty. But I feel like you're really missing the point of the joke. <laughs> I get I get the joke. Okay, I, I, all right. I'm just I checking because it feels yeah. like you don't. So, <laughs> so we, we, <laughs> <laughs> you're the only one punching in, and then you review the time clock and criticize the dude. It's hysterical. What if I had Vance punch in too? <laughs> that that would be funny for a whole other level, and yeah. it'd be funnier if he was the one reviewing the punch cards. That would be that would be funny if if, if I Vance was the one reviewing the punch cards and he wasn't punching right. in. Right, I did that stuff before though. I did that with my dad once. I did a thing like that. Yeah, that's why I feel like you've got a sense of humor. You should look into that. <laughs> okay, hang on. Let me write in my my spreadsheet here. Sense yeah, yeah. Write that down and sell a one. Yeah. All right, sense of humor. Oh, computer, computer, computer. My my daughter comes up to me, my four-year-old comes up to me while I was working the other day because I'm doing a lot of work from home. And she just comes up to me and she starts tapping on my stomach and she just goes, computer, computer, computer. And she runs away laughing. I thought it was hysterical. Yeah, I don't know. yeah she's got Kids you. are funny. She's got you yeah, that's, that's me. That's me. Um, okay, we I, we might be at an hour and a half right now. we got to go. Um, our websites, ironandsoul.com, williamlutz.com, timsway.net, newperspectivemusic.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you guys. Info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com or hit us up on Twitter at reclaimedaudio. iTunes reviews, leave us them five-star reviews, and we will read them out. Reclaimedaudiopodcast.com, and then just click on the link. It'll launch your iTunes, and you can just leave a five-star review. We will read it regardless of how ridiculous it is. And patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio, the best way to keep us three rambling men here. Just rambling and rambling. That's all I got. Have a great week, guys. Rambling. Bye, everybody. Be good. Mm. Punch the clock.